Welcome to this, the next edition of our Daily Devotions, coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Glad that you have joined us, and as always, we hope that you'll share these devotions with those you know and love. Let's now take a moment to prepare our hearts and minds um, with listening some, to some beautiful music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, the 11th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. Hear the word of God. Paul writes and says, whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman, I'm, I'm a better one. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless floggings, and often near death. Five times I have received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one, Three times I was beaten with rods, once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked for a night and a day. I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of all the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, blessed be he forever, knows that I do not lie. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus guarded the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and escaped from his hands. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, if a man does not have something for which he is willing to die, then he is not fit to live. If a person does not have something for which he is willing to die, then he is not fit to live. There's not many people who can say something like that and have behind it a life that speaks to what he's been saying. 
one of the great forces of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s was the lives of people like you and me who believed that the civil rights of black Americans were something that they were willing to die for. In the historic 1965 March for Voting Rights from Selma to Birmingham, word came to a pastor up in Boston named James Reeb that this was happening. A white man and husband and father of four, Reverend Reeb felt compelled to travel to Selma and participate in this march. Well, there were three beginnings, if you remember, to the march from Selma. The first was on Sunday, and the marchers were met with dogs and billy clubs of law enforcement. Many were injured and hospitalized, including the late Congressman John Lewis. Two days later, another march began, led by Dr. King, who took them to midway across the bridge and then stopped and held a moment of prayer for the marchers, and then they turned around. The third march, which was 12 days later, succeeded in their march all the way to Birmingham, where they offered their plea for voting rights. Later that summer, the Voting Rights Act was approved by Congress, and a contributing factor that turned the tide of sediment for the Voting Rights Act was the martyrdom of this James Reeb. It was on the evening after the second march when Reverend Reeb and two of his white pastor colleagues went out to dinner to an integrated restaurant and were accosted by a small group of men and were beaten. Reverend Reeb died two days later. I think what roused the conscience of so many in the wake of the death of this man was the fact that this young 38-year-old husband and father felt that the rights of people of a different race a thousand miles away were important enough to put his own life on the line, literally. Something must be very important when someone with so much to lose is willing to risk it all. If a man does not have something for which he's willing to die, then he is not fit to live. At first blush, when one reads the words of St. Paul here in the 11th chapter of his second letter to the Corinthians, you're tempted to think that what Paul is doing is just a little one-upmanship when it comes to the hardship that he's been willing to endure for the gospel. He has this great litany of the sacrifices he's made. Five times I received 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from his own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, hungry, thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. Oh my goodness. You begin to get a feel like maybe Paul had some kind of a martyrdom complex. But of course, when you read all of Paul's letters and read Luke's account of the early church and the Acts of the Apostles, what shines forth through it all, all these scrapes and wounds and imprisonments, is this man who is driven by something. He's driven by a passion for the gospel driven by the good news of grace, driven by the love of God he had come to know and that he understood was for all people. Paul would be undeterred in his witness for the gospel. If a man does not have something for which he's willing to die, then he is not fit to live. David Niven recounted once about the dark days of Dunkirk when the French and the Brits were being chased by the Nazi army to the shores of France. 
and the Brits sent any ship they could to rescue whoever they could to, from, the beach, from the beaches there to bring them back to Great Britain. One such ship, the Lancastria, filled up its berths with British troops, and just as she was pulling away from Dunkirk, there she got struck by a German torpedo and began slowly sinking. From a ship close by, a Roman Catholic priest could see these soldiers without any hope and did the only thing he could think to do. He jumped and swam his way into the hold of the ship where all the men were trapped. He climbed in to be with them and to pray with them. Later, those who had made it safely to England reported that the sound that could not escape their minds was the sound of hymns being sung by these soldiers who were being led by the priest. If a man doesn't have something for which he's willing to die, then he is not fit to live. Over the great western door of Westminster Abbey, there are ensconced in stone ten figures of ten modern martyrs of the faith, modern martyrs from the 20th century. Each of their lives and deaths is a testimony to the great value they placed on the gospel. The figures include uh, German professor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Central American priest Oscar Romero, and of course Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Among the ten are also three women who place their lives in harm's way in order to be faithful to God's call to live and speak the gospel. The first, Esther John, a Muslim-born citizen of India whose conversion to Christ led her to mission work with Presbyterian missionaries and death at the age of 31 at the hands of those who were threatened by her witness. Manch Mazamola was born in 1913 in South Africa and after she had heard the gospel became more and more intrigued and began to attend classes and gave her life not only to Jesus but to a witness to the gospel. Her parents though sought to discourage her fearful that she would leave them or refuse an arranged marriage which was a part of their culture and when she divided their prohibitions it is largely believed that her family beat her and eventually killed her. She was buried next to a granite rock on a remote hillside, which has become a destination for those in pilgrimage inspired by her life and death. Thirdly, Grand Duchess Elizabeth turned from her life of Russian royalty, embraced, embraced the faith of her Russian orthodoxy and sold all of her valuable possessions and dedicated her life to serve the servants of the church. When the communist regime won the Civil War, Elizabeth and one of her fellow Orthodox sisters were led away to their execution. If a woman does not have something for which she is willing to die, then she is not fit to live. All these women and men were ordinary people. They began as ordinary people, but were brought to points where they had to make extraordinary choices. And sometimes extraordinary choices require the very gift of life itself. Are we all called to be martyrs? Of course not. No one chooses martyrdom. It gets chosen for them. But the choice is this. If the only life worth living is a life that is willing to lay down one's life, then what would you be willing to lay down your life for? Let us pray.
Greater love has no one than this, we recall our Savior saying, that one would lay down her life for her friends. O God, inspire us to do an inventory of our love and help us to, to discover again what and who we would be willing to give our lives for. All this we pray in the name of the one who gave his life for us, Jesus the Christ. Amen.